Imagine being in your 40s, barely scraping by and living in a garage. Then, almost overnight, you become a number one best-selling author, motivational speaker, suddenly earning six, seven figures. Sound far-fetched? For Jen Sincero, author of the new book, You Are a Badass at Making Money, this is real life. And she's made it her mission to tell the world about how she turned her life and her bank account around. Today, she's going to share some of that wisdom with us here at Jobsessed, Monsters podcast about looking for, landing, and loving your next job. And if you don't get inspired enough by Jen's seriously badass motivation, stick around because we've got a bona fide salary negotiation coach with some talking points you're going to want to save for the next time you're across the table from a recruiter saying, show me the money. Today, we're going to talk about the big green monster that motivates so many of us, but scares the crap out of us at the same time. Not jealousy, money. And to help conquer our fears and turn the monster on its head is Jen Sincero, author of the best-selling and amazing book, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. She's got a new book coming out this month that I think you'll all want to read called You Are a Badass at Making Money. Master the Mindset of Wealth. So thank you so much for joining us on Jobsessed today, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. So I've read both of your books, and I know that you weren't always a badass with money. Um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about what your relationship used to be like and kind of the journey that, that took you to becoming more of a badass with money and then writing about it. Okay. So basically my entire adult life, I had a really crappy relationship with money. I was living in a converted garage in my forties and, you know, I was a, a freelance writer and a musician and I, I had a couple things going on with my relationship with money. One, I really subscribed to that struggling artist garbage that I would be a big sellout if I didn't just focus on my art and not focus on the money. Um, I also had this strange belief that money was for other people somehow. Like I would see somebody with a private jet and I would be like, that isn't even the same species of creature that I am. They are, I felt so distanced from that kind of reality. Not that I want a private jet, but it was more, it, it seemed like money was available to other people and not to me. And then through lots of coaching and self-discovery and getting my poop in a scoop financially, I realized that perhaps my biggest hindrance to making money, and this is a really common one, um, was that I didn't want to outshine my father. So a lot of us hold ourselves back from really succeeding in life because we don't want to hurt our parents' feelings. And, and, and that actually comes down to loving them, but also terror of being abandoned. You know, if you are not loved by your parents, this very primal fear of being left out in the cold and distanced from the tribe <laughs> comes into play. So a lot of this stuff is very subconscious, uh, but it's extremely powerful. And it isn't until you take the time to unravel it and focus on it and be available to, to learn about it that you can move past it. Yeah, I really love how in in one section of your book you take the emotion out of money. Like you just say money is it, it it's it's just a transaction. It's it's you know 
And, and it, it, you know, and it really takes someone to say that. And, I, you know, this is a different thing, but I remember when I was in my kind of early to mid-20s when I really did not earn very much money. And I would talk to my mother and say, you know, I, I, I'm figuring out how can I cut yet another coupon or cut another corner or figure out how to make this income work. And she said to me, she said, you know, you really just need to earn more money. Mm. And I just thought, Yay, mom. yeah, and I, but it sounded so like uh, she might as well have said, well, you might have, you need to really just win the lottery. You right. know, it didn't seem possible. And now right. looking back, I can say, wow, I wish I could have talked to the younger self and said, absolutely, it's possible. You know, just because, you know, I'm a writer, right, that, you know, similar to you, there are things you can do. And if you expand your mind and your belief system, you know. But I, I just didn't think it was possible, particularly at that time. And it sounds like you had a similar kind of, like, a, you know, in a similar rut. Absolutely. And, it, and that's such a great illustration of why mindset is key. Because we think we're taught that you work hard and you make money. Meanwhile, if you shift your perspective, you make money. You know, we call it taking a stand for the and, where instead of cutting back, you say, how can I be a freelance writer and make the money I'm making and still go out and have a cappuccino every morning? Right, right. I think you say something like, you know, you can you can have a timeshare and save for retirement, be at your mm -hmm. ideal weight and eat chicken wings. Like, but I think yep. that we all get into this mon this weird thing with money where it has to be, you know, we have to be misers or or we're born wealthy. <laughs> like. Right. And there's such judgment around that, right? Like money is one of the most loaded topics out there. So you saying, I'm going to go make more money. You say that out loud, eyebrows will raise, you know? Right. And so it really is getting a handle on this terror of being judged by others and by your inner self. You know, we tend to judge the rich and, um, you know, when you say you want to make money, we automatically assume you're going to do things that are illegal or uh, amoral or, you know, you're just in it for the money. And uh, that's such garbage. Well, and the other thing is nobody ever talks about how much money they earn. So, mm -hmm. you know, f for all you know, people are earning lots and lots more money than you are. And they just, they've mm -hmm. made a different decision somehow along the way, you know, and it's how do you tap into that, I think is the thing that a lot of us might be thinking. Um and, 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 you know, and I think, like I said earlier, one of the things was that sort of taking the emotion out of it and making it less, le filled with less judgment. Absolutely. And it isn't until you become aware of your own judgments that you can start doing that. So that's why in my book and, you know, most self-help, it really does start with awareness. Like, where are you bad mouthing money? Do you think, or thinking about it, like, is it the root of all evil in your heart? Even though you can say like, yeah, no, hell, I'd love to be rolling in the riches. Bring it on. If you have if you judge rich people or if you heard somebody walk by saying, I love money, what would go on for you inside? Like you got to be clear about what your banana peels are in the way of letting you um, give yourself permission to make money. Right. And you have, you've got a lot of different suggested mantras uh, for people to use to help kind of reshift their ideas and, and put a more positive spin on yeah. their personal relationship with, with money. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it come and the best way to get it, I mean, I offer some in the book, but you know, the best way to do it is to find something that you're already saying or thinking, because it's got to have your stamp on it and it's got to make you feel something. We are creatures who are 
definitely inspired by emotion, not practical thought. <laughs> you know, how many times have we dated that person that we knew was not right for us, but it felt really good. So we did it anyway. So with a money mantra, you want to get clear on, you know, for example, my broken record was I can't afford it. I said that I don't care what you said to me. That was, you know, my answer 90% of the time. So when I started doing the work, my mantra became money is all around me and I receive it joyfully. So even though I wasn't seeing the results of that right away, it, it shifted my energy. It stopped me focusing because because when you have a mantra, be it good or bad, it has an energy to it. And the energy of I can't afford it pulled into focus all of the proof that I couldn't afford it, right? So if you keep saying something and you keep focusing on something, the universe will provide you with endless proof that you are correct. So when you open yourself up and shift your energy and have a new mantra, you start to notice all the things that have always been around you that you could not see because you were so busy focusing on the lower energy one. And, you know, as, as, as much as that may sound airy-fairy to some people, I really, mm -hmm. really believe in that. I, I really, truly do. And you know what? It can't hurt to try it, even if you don't right. believe in it. <laughs> Definitely. Be as cynical as you want. Just try it. Right. Well, I mean, think about it. When you're looking for a place to rent, for example, right, suddenly you start noticing all of these for rent signs. It's because you focused on it. They didn't suddenly pop up all over the place. It's because your awareness is there. So all the, everything in the unit, it's all already here. It's just where you place your focus. So that really is as, as simple as it is. Right. Um, and so for people who, you know, and I think that getting back to this idea about the, um, the person who is focused on, you know, I think it's really hard, especially if you're, let's say in a job that you hate or you're unemployed, you know, you're in a place where everything money related looks awful. Mm -hmm. You're, you're in debt, you have a family to feed, you know, sure. Yeah. You know, you might want to have the career of your dreams, but you just got to make the rent and, you know, talk a little bit about how to maybe shift that focus. Cause that's really hard. That's like real realities that can seem unchangeable. Sure. Um, okay. So first of all, I am not a believer in the Pollyanna. You've always got to think positive thoughts and turn that frown upside down. So, because you know what that does, it makes you feel like an even bigger loser. Cause not only is your life, not what it, you want it to look like, but you suck at positive thinking. So <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> so, I am all for the temper tantrum, for feeling sad, for letting the anger out. But the problem is we stay there and we decide that that's how things are. And we almost, and what we actually do is we feel self-righteous about it. I have a right to be angry. I have six kids to feed and I can't do it. And this job sucks. And my boss is a jerk. We become identified with it. And that's where we get into big trouble. So catch yourself on that. Feel what you feel. Don't be the Pollyanna, but then make the decision to choose a better thought. So that's where it is. There is every, everybody listening to this has so much to be grateful for. And even if you hate your job, there is something you have a job. It mm -hmm. is giving you money. Um, you are learning things there. If you got that job, you can get another job. It's a stepping stone. You have no idea who you're going to meet. And you know, when you go into that office, 
whatever your attitude is like, as I said before, like you will start to attract and be attracted to different things when you change your energy. So mm-hmm. you have no idea who you're going to meet. And if you are a grouchosaurus, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to work with you or offer you anything. But you know, you know, that person who's like sunny and enthusiastic and showing up and yep, I hate my job, but I am here with a smile and I'm doing it anyway. And I'm looking for the good. That's the person who's going to get the promotion or the offer for the new job or whatever. Right. I don't care. How, you know, I don't care how talented you are. I always want to work with that person over somebody who's overqualified. Absolutely. Yep. You know, you talk also about um, bum rushing your fears because I think that that's another, obviously fear keeps a lot of us stuck. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, sometimes you might feel like you need to make a financial investment or take a financial loss or it's just a fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're making a big change. And, and, and so you talk about in your book doing scary things. Yeah. And so it's also a perspective thing. So what happens a lot is we're like, I don't have any opportunities. There is nothing I can do right now. I'm stuck. Um, there's no good jobs out there. Uh, but maybe there is somebody at some friend of your mother's who's totally scary and mean, who's a real high up in some company that you, who hates you. <laughs> okay, so let's just paint that picture, right? So that opportunity you don't even look at because of that relationship with that person. When you're not screwing around and you make the decision, that scary opportunity suddenly becomes real. And you're like, I'm, I'm baking a damn banana bread and bringing it over to their house and asking them for a job. Right. So, so it's like, it's those scary things. So you have a lot more opportunity. It's just that you haven't decided with like in that no nonsense, hell bent for glory way that you're going after what you desire. And it opens up a whole new slew of opportunities and they're all going to be stuff you do not want to do because they're outside your comfort zone. So everything in your comfort zone, easy, you'll do that all day long, you know, fill out applications, make phone calls to easy people, send your resume around, right? Not yep. fun, but not scary. It's when you're scared that you're doing something right. Absolutely. And, you know, and like you said, first you get comfortable with the idea that it's okay to make money. And not only is it okay, but it's something you really want to do because of what you imagine it's going to bring to you, you know. And I think as I was reading your book, you know, I was thinking about um, shifting it from, oh, you know, uh, I'm going to become some rich jerk or something, you know, to, to yeah. you know, I'll have the time, I'll, I'll be able to be more relaxed, you know, and... I can spend more time with these people. I can help this person. I can, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then, it, then, then you, you, you have that permission to go after things really hard, you know, and make these difficult. Yeah. 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 That's such a good point. And it's the specificity. So you got really specific on why it was important to you, which is key. So many of us just want to make more money and we don't really think about what it's going to buy and how that's going to make us feel. And it isn't until you take the time to get really clear on why you want it and why it's so exciting that you'll let yourself move past those fears and go make some. Absolutely. One thing I definitely did want to talk to you about is people, you know, who were listening to our podcast are either looking for a job or thinking about looking for a job. And, and so do you have any advice for people while they're, you know, whether they're in the, just in the searching process or if they're, they're getting down to the wire when it comes to actually talking to an employer about possibly working for them. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, get really clear on how much you desire to make and what it's for. 
Um, and it sort of depends, like if you're experienced or if you're just starting out or if you're, you know, it, sort of depending on where you are, it's a little bit different for each scenario. Yeah. But I think the bottom line is you don't want to be resentful when you're at work because you negotiated poorly, <laughs> you know? So I really think it's about getting clear on the specifics like we talked about and then push, like getting an amount in your head and then pushing yourself a little bit outside of your comfort zone to ask for more because that's exciting and that'll get you revved up and that'll sort of have your juices flowing. So with that energy and meditate on this number before you go in for your job interview, I'm such a big believer in visualizing that post interview process. Like you've gotten the job, you've gotten the amount you want, you're shaking hands with your new boss. It's all exciting. Everybody's all happy. Um, go in with the energy of already. How would you carry yourself then? Uh, what thoughts would you be thinking? Where, how deeply would you be breathing? Like really, live it and then walk in the door with that person that being that person. Um, you know, remember that you're not taking anything from anybody. You're actually giving them something for exchange for this money. You know, a lot of times we get really weird about money because it's like, Oh, I don't want to seem too pushy. I don't want to seem too grabby. I don't want to ask for more than I'm worth. Get clear on what you're bringing to the party. Get into the specifics about it. Imagine yourself doing an amazing job for these people. Put yourself in their place seeing you and why Why do they care? And just walk in with all of those reasons and so excited to give to them as opposed to getting the job. Like flip that perspective around. Right. And, and, it, and you share an anecdote in your book about when you first were trying to earn um, there was something like you had this number in your head of what you wanted to jump mm -hmm. from, from like a certain number per week to a much bigger number. You, you had a coach you were working with who said double that, mm -hmm. which kind of blew your mind. <laughs> yes. Scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Cause she was like, and it's an intuitive thing, right? So money, how much money is a chair worth, right? Like, it could be worth $5. It could be worth $500. It, it, there, it, money is in the eye of the beholder. Worth value is in the eye of the beholder. Money is just the medium of exchange, but value is in the eye of the beholder. So you want to behold a hell of a lot of value in yourself before you go into a job interview. And, right. um, and that's why that doubling of my income and that pushing me outside my comfort zone, it was exciting and it felt right and it felt good. It felt terrifying, but I was ready to kick some ass. And so that, that was the amount that seemed right to me. So let it be an intuitive hit, like do your homework and get clear on what you desire to make and how exciting that is. And then listen to your intuition about what, what you're going to charge. Right. Right. And, and, you know, and at that stage of your career, you were ready for that bump yes. and it seemed a little, it seemed a little much, but you know, to you perhaps, but it, your yes. client said yes. Yeah, my clients, yes. And I and I was in a whole new stratosphere. Then an entire new reality opened up to me. I was a completely different person. And that was a big thing for me. And this may resonate with some of the listeners that a lot of times making money is about what it's going to afford you, the opportunities, the experiences, the ways that you can help other people. But for me, it was really about being the kind of person, like it was changing who I was being in the world. I wanted to be the kind of person who could create whatever I wanted to create and didn't feel a victim to my circumstances and wasn't constantly whining, complaining, and being frustrated. So if that's important to you, 
really sink into that and be like, I can be, you really can be whoever you want to be. I know that sounds really cheesy, but you can. And so if that's important to you, that's also a really good thing to hang on to and to, to meditate on. Well, and, and, you know, you, yeah. Do you feel like you are a different person than you were, you know, 10 years ago when things were really different? My family is still making fun of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, totally. I mean, I mean, of course I'm totally the same in so many ways, but as far as my understanding of what I'm capable of, hell yes. Because truly for me, I was in my four D's and I was totally scraping by. And so the fact that I could, you know, be making seven figures and it's just, I'm a different person. It really, it's like I'm in a different body. Right. Yeah. and, And I really understand that if I can pull that off, I can do anything. Right. And I think people listening, you know, and if, if, no, if you haven't read Jen's first book, you've got to read it because a lot of, a lot of, of, of your story is in there too. And, mm-hmm. and it is so inspiring. You know, there's a feeling of if you can do it, anyone can do it, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although it, you know, it took a, you might want to have the book by your side to, <laughs> as a little <laughs> virtual <that>? coach. <laughs> Well, that's why I called it You Are a Badass, because I know we all are. Why, why, that's what we're here for is to just, and, and you know, again, it's not, we don't all have to be rich. We don't all have to have our own TV shows. Right. You, you are a badass and, you know, you are able to create whatever you desire to create. That's, that's the point of that book. So whatever your desire is, is all that matters. And you can totally make that happen. Right. And, and, you know, and, yeah, and, and, and this, this next book is definitely, it definitely puts, it just puts, it's funny because I think when I first opened it, I thought it might be, you know, do these 10 things and you will become rich. And it isn't, it's, it's more about the very complicated relationship that we have with mm-hmm. money and this allowing yourself to, mm. you know, to say, I, I want it. You know, I, I want what it can make me feel like and bring to me. Right. So. And it's amazing. You know, and I have read every money book under the sun because I was so broke for so long. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing that I didn't see there. I, that, I'm sure there is a book out there that does it, but I, so many great books on how to make money and how to shift your mindset and all that stuff. But I didn't see anything that really focused on that permission piece. And to me, that was huge because until I gave myself permission, you could tell me all of the great financial strategies in the world, but I wasn't going to let myself do it because I hadn't given myself permission yet. So I'm really excited about the book, especially for that chapter. <laughs> yeah. And I think what you said at the very beginning rings true with a lot of us, which is, you know, the, that, that, that world of private jets or even just not just financial freedom or mm-hmm. no, you know, not being stressed about money is for someone else. You know, it's not right. for me. Um, yeah. And, and that's just, it does not have to be the case. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I think you also, you know, you, you, you do touch a little bit on the idea that there are sometimes, you know, we may want to make a big change. You know, perhaps the, the career that you're in or the job that you have is not going to make you money. So, you know, mm-hmm. and it might not be the thing that's making you happy either. Um, right. So, you know, some of these, you, you give some good advice about, you know, if you don't know what you know, want, well, you know, take action on what you do know that you love. And you give that great example of your friend who was the, um, he worked in advertising and he hated it, but he had, he, you know, what he really was good at and loved was hosting parties and, 
you know, being a fabulous MC, but never mm -hmm. thought that he could make, should make money from that. Right. You know, but was able yeah. to do that in the end. We're such funny creatures. Well, we've been raised to believe that you have to work hard to make money and that it can't be fun. You know, if it's fun, you know, only really lucky people get to have fun making money. For most of us, it's really a slog. And so, and we also don't credit our natural talents. It's like, well, of course anybody can get on stage and be an MC and be funny. I mean, that's just like going to a party. That's no big deal. Why should I get paid for that? You know, we, we completely devalue our beautiful gifts and talents because they come easily to us. And meanwhile, that's where you can make the most money is by the stuff that you're naturally good at. That is fun for you. That lights you up. So going towards that is a hell of a good idea. If you want to make some money, you know, and I, we have this saying, um, do what you love and the money will follow, mm -hmm. which I think is really setting people up for some disappointment. You know, I love fly fishing. <laughs> you know, so it's like, now you, I think do what you love, figure out how to monetize it and the money will follow. Absolutely. I, I can say that one all day long, but you got to focus on the money. We've made it a dirty, dirty thing to focus on the money. So do what you love, but also focus on the money for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. I mean, I love karaoke, you know what I mean? But I don't know that I'm going to be the next karaoke star. So maybe there's a way. <laughs> but you could, if you wanted to, you know, like figure out how to make money at, but just right? get, or, doing some shots and getting on stage. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> right. So no, that's a really good point. And also like you just said is, is, you know, do what you're good at, you know, the things you excel at and, and tap into those things I think is important too. Yeah, you got one. I mean, I really, this is sort of my credo, but you've got one shot at being you on earth and go for it, you know, and also take the drama out a little bit. Like just go into these job interviews. Like I'm on a planet in outer space right now. This is all ridiculous. We're in this crazy cartoon and I want this job, you know, just sort of lighten it up a bit and have fun with it and know that you're awesome. Next, we asked an expert in talking about money, Josh Duty, a salary negotiation coach and author of the book, Fearless Salary Negotiation, for his thoughts on the five things you should never do during a salary negotiation. So Josh, let's get down to it. What are some of your biggest no-nos when it comes to negotiating your salary? Right. Great question, Julia. Uh, I'm glad you asked this. I think um, there will be a lot of useful information here for people, and I'll just jump right into it. Um, the first one is don't disclose your current salary when you're asked for it. This is a very common question that comes up early in the process. And the reason that you don't want to do this is that most of the time when you disclose this number, you switch the company's mindset from how much do we have to offer this person to convince them to take this job to how much more than their current salary do we need to offer them to make this enticing to them? And those are usually different numbers. So if you tell them your current salary, then your offer will usually be just a little bit more than that current salary number, which is not ideal for you if you're trying to maximize your salary in the negotiation. So that's my first one. Well, then the, the obvious next question I have to ask is, what do you say if they ask? How do you sidestep that question? So the easiest thing to say is just, I'm really not comfortable talking about that, and I prefer to focus on this opportunity and the value that I can add to your company. Um, that's the, the short version. Sometimes they'll press, and so the, the kind of, if you kind of tumble down the options, then I sort of end up at saying um, something like, you know, I'm really not comfortable disclosing proprietary HR information for how my current company compensates people. I know they would not appreciate me sharing that with you, especially if you're a competitor. So I prefer to focus on the job that we're talking about here and the value that I can add to your company. 
Well, those sound like pretty reasonable responses, especially if you're saying them with confidence like you are. So I think that's great advice. All right. What's your second, what's your second never do this in a salary negotiation? So I'm sort of cheating here, but the second one is sort of like the first one, but the opposite side of it, which is your desired salary for the role. So a lot of times, if you get past the current salary question, they'll ask you your desired or expected salary. And so they'll say, well, you know, what, what, what did you have in mind if you, if you take this role? Um, I recommend not disclosing that information, even if you have a number in mind. And the, the, the reason for this one is that you don't have any idea what they're willing to pay. And so essentially what they're asking you, I like to reframe the question, you know, what's your expected salary if you take this role? I like to reframe that as take a wild guess what we would pay somebody to do the job that we put out this requisition for and that you've applied for. And if you think of it that way, you just don't know enough about the company you're applying to or the other people that work there, how many roles are open, a lot of things that you just don't know to even make an educated guess as to what they might pay you to do the job they're hiring for. So you're better off just not disclosing that information. And again, the answer is something like, I prefer to focus on the value I can add in this role. I'd like this step to be a big step forward for me in terms of both responsibility and compensation. That's my go-to answer there. Okay, great. And hopefully that will encourage them to put their number on the table so that you can start from there. That's right. All right, that's great. Okay, what about number three? Number three, I think it's really important before you ever get a job offer to start with a personal baseline that is sort of your walk away number. I call it your minimum acceptable salary, but it's extremely important before you hear that big number that could be you know, bigger than what you're making now. You need to know for the particular role that you've interviewed for and that you're hoping to get a job offer for, what's the number that you require in terms of base salary uh, typically or a total comp package that will convince you to take the job and that you'll walk away from the opportunity if they can't meet those numbers. And when you do this, you get yourself a win-win situation. You'll either get the salary that you listed as your minimum or you won't and you can walk away knowing it just wasn't a great fit for you. That's great. That sounds hard because I'm sure that you could be tempted in, in certain moments to, to say, well, you know, maybe I could downsize my life a little bit because this opportunity would be so great. But if you but if you have, if you're firm like that, then it sounds like you ultimately would probably get what you want. That's right. And, and it just gives you an objective way to measure uh, success for the negotiation. Did you succeed or not? Well, you can't know if you didn't have a baseline set before you started negotiating. Right. Okay. All right. What about the fourth one? Number four, um, don't outright accept an offer, even if it looks really good. So sometimes you'll get an offer. You'll, you'll do everything I said so far. And that makes the company, again, try to convince you with a job offer. How, you know, what, what do we need to offer this person to convince them to take this role? And sometimes that number that they give you will be a big number that you didn't expect. And it can be very tempting to say, you know what, that's a lot bigger than I was hoping for. I'll take it. Um, but you should always counteroffer. And the reason that you should counteroffer is a little bit counterintuitive. It's not for, you know, game theory reasons or sort of highfalutin reasons. The reason that you should counteroffer is, there might be room to negotiate. So you negotiate because there might be room to negotiate. Maybe their offer had some buffer built in just in case you counteroffered. And you won't know that unless you counter. So even if you get a job, or job offer that you think is really strong, you should always counteroffer every job offer that you get. I think that's great advice. And, you know, and a lot of people that I've talked to who are in the recruiting field say that most of the time there is some kind of buffer built in. And if there isn't, if they're offering you this great salary, it's not like they're going to tell you, well, no, thank you. Now that you've counteroffered, we don't want you anymore. You know, they just will say no. That's right. They put a lot of energy into, you know, man hours and effort into 
interviewing you, maybe bringing you on site, um, spending manager time to talk to you and interview you. And so by the time they get to the point where they've made you an offer, they want you to come on board. And so just counteroffering will almost never be enough to sort of end that discussion because they, they want to make it work. They've already invested a lot of resources in making it work. So they're interested in bringing you on and they're more likely to continue with you um, even if you counteroffer, but maybe with a higher salary. Great. I, I love that. And I like all the reasoning behind it too. I think it, it'll give people more confidence to do that, you know, if, if they get in that situation because I think it comes up a lot. Um, great, great tip so far. Okay, what is, what is your last one for today, the number five? Okay, number five is don't stop at just negotiating your base salary. So a lot of times, again, you might get a great offer. Maybe you go ahead and counter offer because you listen to our conversation here. You get a little bit more salary. You say, wow, I got a great offer to start with. And then I got more because I counter offered. I'm really happy with that. I'm done. My rule of thumb is if you counter offer and they say yes to whatever you asked for. So they offer 60000 and you counter at 70000 and they say, okay, 70000 is good. Then you're done because they took your last offer. But if they compromise or they say no, then there's opportunity to negotiate other things. So maybe you counted on base salary, they compromised and came up a little bit, but not all the way to what you asked for. So you can say, okay, well, thanks for working with me. I was hoping to get the number that I asked for. Since you can't quite meet me there, can you also throw in an extra week of paid vacation every year? Um, I'm used to having three and you're only offering two. And if they say yes to that, you're done. If they say no, then you say, okay, well, I understand you can't compromise on vacation. I was hoping for a little more salary. Can you add a $5,000 signing bonus just to help me bridge that gap in the salary that we couldn't quite meet? And so don't stop at base salary. Continue working down your list of your top two or three things that you'd like to get in addition to base salary if their last answer to you is not a yes. For, for me anyway, and I think for so many people, talking about money is just cringeworthy, you know, to, for a lot of us. And, but if you go in and you have a game plan, then I think it makes it a lot easier. I totally agree. I think having specific tactics that you can use will help you to have the confidence that you can get the best result possible for you. We hope after today's episode that you feel armed and ready to go the next time you're about to have the money talk. It's graduation season, so if you're entering the job market for the very first time or know someone who is, we've got a ton of great advice, articles and videos and of course jobs for new grads we're always looking for new story ideas so if there's something you'd like us to talk about send me an email at julia.gainer at monster.com and if you liked today's episode we'd love if you could review us on itunes until next time happy job hunting and don't forget you've always got monster on your side <laughs>